GLO is the global loyalty organization uniting um, all of the participants of the loyalty and customer experience and co-brand co sector. Um, our biggest supporters from the beginning were hotels, airlines, uh, payment uh, uh, providers and systems like, like yourself at Visa. But what we are seeing in the last um, year, year and a half, is that a lot of the new economy emerged layers like e-commerce, e-mobility, um, uh, experiences. They're also launching uh, loyalty programs and they're looking at the co-brand cards. Um, is there something that you're seeing at Visa? Do you see them approaching you? And what trends do you expect in the coming two, three years? Yeah, I mean, we've kind of followed the same path, to be honest, right? I think, you know, years ago, the co-brand space was all about sort of airlines and lodging and fuel and retail. Um, you know, past few years, marketplace, gig economy, 100%. What's interesting now is like, you know, as consumer behavior and needs change, um, there's more of an appetite for what I would say is our niche programs, right? Um, and so you're seeing a lot of new verticals interested in co-branding. Everything from healthcare to rental platforms, to online investing, small business programs, gaming. Gaming is huge now. I know everyone's talking about gaming, but gaming is huge. Um, and what I like, my personal favorite is, again, what is old is new again, what we used to call affinity programs or like sports co-brands, we now call fan-based programs. Um, and with the recent FIFA World Cup, there was so much, one of the best World Cups, right, in terms of just fan engagement yeah. and excitement, what you're seeing leading up to and definitely coming out of that is an interest in sports programs, yeah. sports co-brands. So don't be surprised if in the next few months you'll see a lot of these types of programs drop into the marketplace. So yeah, there's a constant evolution um, within sort of the co-brand space as well, and it follows loyalty very closely because it's an extension of loyalty. Which makes sense, right? Because what, what we are seeing is that actually uh, loyalty is being much more used in the experiences. Yep. And sports, gaming, leisure, you know, leisure in the wide sense, you know, concerts. Um, is perfect, give perfect base for launching of the code brand. So uh, not only we're lucky, to, uh, we're probably likely to see FIFA Visa code brand card, but maybe Call of Duty Visa code brand card <laughs> in the future. I'll let you make the predictions, Anastasia. <laughs> but it's, it's, it, it can be an amazing monetizing opportunity for, for some of the biggest players. Yes. Um, okay, um, going a little bit onto the consumer and yep. what they expect from, from the co-brand. Traditionally, um, our uh, parents and grandparents were seeing a loyalty program usually as a discounts or coupons in the store. Our generation is very much used to the points, miles um, uh, approach. Um, the new generation probably is looking a little bit more at experiences yep. and unique, you know, unique um, uh, trips. Uh, what are you seeing at Visa? what, um, let's say, benefits are a must for the yeah. program to succeed? Yeah, um, you know, we're absolutely seeing the same thing, right, uh, in terms of the trends over time. Um, I think for the way that we approach any sort of card value proposition is there's sort of like three key elements to a value prop, right? Um, the first is what we call everyday spend. 
Um, you want to make sure that that cardholder is engaging with your brand on an everyday basis. And that means incentivizing them both on brand or off brand, right? So what we typically say in and out of store, right? Um, physical or digital store now. Um, um, and but that doesn't need to be just tied to a loyalty currency. We've seen quite successful cashback programs, for example, right? Which is still kind of traditional loyalty. Yeah. That's table stakes. Yeah. Um, the second thing is around those unique merchant benefits. Again, it's it's the reason why those cardholders take your card. They want something unique tied to your brand. Um, the third um, is probably closely tied to your question, which is like, what are some of those new relevant benefits that we're seeing emerge? And those are really critical because they're addressing those lifestyle needs of a customer. Um, and those are the three critical elements. And, I, and I'll focus on the third and I'll give you some examples. One of my favorite cards in the marketplace right now actually comes out of the UAE. It's with a lodging company. Um, and what they've done is with that card, you can go to any of their properties. You can use their pool, their beaches, and their gyms. You don't have to spend on the card just because you have the card. But they know that if you go there and you show your card to get access, you're most likely going to use that card then to spend on property, right? But what a great benefit. Yeah, returning, returing customer, uh, increasing frequency. Yep, exactly. Um, access, right? Um, we have a partner in the U.S. They're a large sort of retailer. Um, and they have a traditional sort of table stakes loyalty program as well. When we did some customer research, what we found is that what customers love about that card is the access to pre-sales for all the new upcoming in-season fashion. I'm not a fashion guy myself, so maybe not something that I would find valuable, but a lot of customers find that access to those pre-sales really, really valuable. Um, and the last, you've mentioned this a couple of times now, is that experience, right? How can you provide that once-in-a-lifetime experience to a customer because they are a cardholder. We're seeing concerts. We're seeing virtual food and wine with celebrity chefs. We're seeing, you know, go golfing with a pro golfer. Um, that has become very, very common um, in some markets, not all, mm -hmm. but I fully expect that this is something that will become common around the world. It's interesting because um, that brings me to my next question about 2024 and possibly, you know, a bit tighter economic uh, environment, uh, maybe recession, we're seeing increasing interest rates across the globe. Um, so I would think that, you know, the most of the customers, the middle class, they will be looking much more to kind of a cashback or um, uh, discounts that they can acquire with the co-brand. But on the other hand, I mean, even in this environment, there, there is quite a big chunk of um, members who probably are doing okay. And for them, the exclusive experiences will still be more valuable. What are you seeing? Are you seeing anything in Visa? At Visa, you know, what are you expecting in the tight economic environment? Yeah, I mean, listen, we're, we're always gonna see sort of a shift, right? Year over year, um, in terms of like what the economic, the, the macro environment provides. Um, and I'll come down to sort of a simple principle, which is, really knowing your target segment and that segmentation, right? Um, and so if you're going after an affluent portfolio who maybe, you know, the economic crisis is not gonna hit them as hard, still providing those experiences, still providing um, that access, right? But then there may be those customers, you know, coming into the next three to four years 
where you know the pending economics will have a, a deeper impact on them, where you start to shift that card value prop into something that's going to give them more cash back or whatever that value is that will help them save time and money. Um, and so um, brings me to the point of like refreshing the value prop, right? So that's so critical again to the success, right? You launch a market, that uh, product, that product three years later may no longer be relevant because the needs of your customer have changed maybe impacted by the macroeconomic environment, maybe impacted by something else. Mm -hmm. And so you need to constantly stay in touch with that customer, understand what they want, and change your loyalty program and your co-brand card um, alongside it. What, what are you seeing among your co-brands uh, uh, programs? Do they readjust the business strategy like once in two years or more even frequently now? <laughs> you know, um, I actually recently conducted a little bit of a case study on this. Um, and it took our first co-brand partner almost 25 years to refresh their value prop. We're going back into the 1970s now, right? Um, but since that first value prop, they've started to refresh it faster and faster and faster. The second time they did it was within 11 years, the third time was within eight, and now they just recently did it again after five. What we're typically seeing is that it's usually somewhere between four to five years that you're looking to refresh that value prop. But sometimes the, you know, the changing needs of the environment may dictate something sooner than that. But that's what we typically see. Luigi, the payment sector was one of the leaders of innovation. And we definitely saw in the last five years new solutions, new technologies emerging from your sector and driving the whole lifestyle of the consumer, changing the nature and lifestyle of the consumer. Uh, what are you seeing on your side and where do you expect the sector to be in three to five years? Yeah, uh, yeah. we've been talking a lot about the evolution and you know, I think there's a lot that um, we talk about and maybe some things that you know, aren't as commonly talked about um, that I'll dive a little deeper into today. Um, you know, obviously what we've seen in the past couple of years, you know, a lot of flexible credit, right? Which is buy now, pay later. Uh, we've talked about experiences, um, the focus on the important topic of social responsibility and sustainability. Um, I think we're all maybe focused a little bit more on, which maybe everyone's tired of talking about, is sort of like the impact of COVID on consumer behavior and what are we seeing that from, how are we seeing that from a, a, an innovation standpoint? Um, and so first and foremost, the digital transformation, right? We all know that consumers like yourself, like myself, you know, we shifted our behavior from physical in-store to online. That shift has remained. Tons of facts and figures about that, right? But what are our partners doing about it? What's interesting to me is around the world, um, and around many different verticals, you're seeing an introduction of merchant wallets, um, where they're competing with the likes of an Apple Pay or a Google Pay, um, and they're putting their own branded co-brand into that wallet. And they're doing that because they're trying to capture more mind share, they're trying to capture that everyday engagement, and you know, hopefully that will lead to more wallet share as well. Um, so that's really interesting to me that so many across verticals, it can be QSRs, it can be airlines, it could even be, you know, fintechs um, in Brazil that are yeah. doing sort of these wallet um, wallets. You mentioned QR codes, another one. 
One thing that I don't know that we've talked about a lot is about multi-currency solutions. Um, also, as a result of COVID, right, with um, the workforce today being more mobile, yeah. more remote, um, multi-currency solutions have become more prevalent. Um, so what is a multi-currency solution? It's basically a card and account that allows you to receive or hold or send uh, money in different currencies at a fixed rate. Um, and so think about it, like let's just say you want to go work from Italy um, for 30 days, right? That card could be very valuable to you, right? This, this actually coincides with the main trend we see, which is pleasure, business and pleasure exactly. combined together as the workforce became very mobile. Exactly, and, and multi-currency solutions addresses that need. Um, and then the last, last thing, we've talked about it, but you know, I want to talk about it again, because if I had a penny for every time this is mentioned, I would be a very wealthy man, but it is lifestyle. Right? And lifestyle means different things to different people. Right? For me, it may be wanting to buy that thing that I never thought I could afford, but I want to treat myself. To others, it's more about that focus on well-being. Um, but you've seen a prevalence of marketing. If you go back in the past three to four years and just look at all the marketing that you personally have received, the prevalence of doing something for you, doing something for your lifestyle, for your desires, has come to the forefront, where that necessarily wasn't always necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. um, and it may change again, to your point earlier about as we, you know, the changing financial times, um, but for now, lifestyle is still very much top of mind and sort of a, something that we should all be innovating around.